Good morning, Trinity Church. It is so good to be here. My family and I have been on an adventure for the last few weeks, so we haven't been here at Trinity Church. We drove up through Montana, saw just so much beauty in the Rockies, and, the, and went to Canada, and then dropped down through Washington. And about two, uh, about 10 days in, we all started talking as a family. And we realized we like adventuring, we like traveling, but we like home. This is home. Trinity Church is home. And it's just been so good to be back with you all this morning. You may be thinking, what's the worship pastor doing up at this time in the service? He's supposed to start us off. And um, if you were here on the 24th of June, you saw the preaching pastor, Todd, lead worship. I'm getting even with him, all right? So uh, actually, we're in the midst of a playlist series, which is a series on the Psalms. As a worship pastor, I love the Psalms. And we, we see in the Psalms that the people of God are a singing, worshiping people. And so we've been given this treasure of 150 songs that have been used for thousands of years, Moses has a psalm in there. And so we've got this treasure of psalms, and the purpose of the psalms is, is to know this is what God is like, and this is how we can respond to him. So many of the psalms are prayers. We get to learn what it looks like to pray. How can we pray to God? Most of you, if you've been followers of Christ for a while, and even if you grow up in the church, and, and uh, you might remember Psalms because they've been part of, of uh, the pursuit of God for so many years. I can anchor the significant seasons of my life with Psalms. And I, to give you an example, early on in our family, we adopted and that adoption almost didn't happen. It was the scariest time for my wife and I to trust the Lord. Many of you, if you've been here for a while, walk through that with us. Psalm 33 was our anchor. We wait in hope for the Lord, for He is our strength and our shield. In Him our hearts trust. We rejoice. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O oh God, even as we put our hope in you. And that's what led us through. If we took time, I'm sure we could just spend the whole morning with stories of how the Psalms have led each individual to a closer relationship with God, and I believe that's their central purpose. And so I get to share the Psalm that has been most meaningful to me over the last half a year. I have walked with the Lord through Psalm 139. And uh, what we're going to do is just take a moment, and I just want you to listen. I asked Dan Rogstad, Dan's back here on the piano, I said, Dan, I want you to compose a piece for one of our psalms. And I sent him all of them, and he picked Psalm 139. So please enjoy the psalm as Dan plays and speaks it. Mm -hmm. 
has searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in, behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I send to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall light me, your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you, and night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth. eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O oh God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O oh God. O oh, men of blood, depart from me. 
they speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? Do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me. there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Thank you. Thank you for your precious word. Thank you that in your word, we come to know you. Our Father, what you're like. We learn to worship you. We learn to draw near to you. And so we pray, God, in this time together in this psalm, that you would lead us to a greater knowledge of who you are and that we would grow closer to you as a result. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You thank Dan together for that blessing. <laughs> psalm 139 is a psalm that's attributed to David, King David, the poet king who wrote nearly half of the Psalms that we have. David begins his Psalm looking back. And he starts the Psalm in verse one saying, oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. It's an exclamation. He's thinking back to God's presence in his life and he's, he's just declaring it shouting it from his soul. You've searched me and you've known me. How precious that is. We don't know where David was, what time in his life he wrote this psalm, but we're going to see as we get down further in the psalm maybe a little what's going on. But we're not getting this psalm from a rookie. David was a man after God's own heart. That's what God said about him. He knew God. And that's who we get to spend some time with today is the words of a man who knew God. 
This is important for all of us. If you're a longtime follower of Jesus, this is an opportunity to know him more. If you're someone who's just not yet following God, I hope that you hear in this how, what God is like and what he thinks about you. And that as a result, you grow closer to him. The big idea that we're pursuing in this psalm is since God knows you intimately and he pursues you persistently, open up your heart to him completely. Since God knows you intimately and he pursues you persistently, open up your heart to him completely. Psalm 139 is one of the most personal accounts of God's nature and his character that we have in the Bible. Just starting out with, you've searched me and known me. This is what God is like. David's reflecting on this and he continues. Take a look at verse 2. You know when I sit down, when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You're acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, you, O Lord, know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Songs nowadays have verses and choruses, but if you grew up in the church singing hymns, you called it stanzas. Now, that's a weird word, stanzas. We're introduced to the first stanza. It's a musical paragraph, okay? So can I call them stanzas? Psalm 139 has five stanzas. And in the first stanza or paragraph, here's the big idea. God knows you intimately. God knows you intimately. The Lord's knowledge of you, he doesn't just know, hey, you know, I know about Scott over there, and I know Marianne. No. He knows you personally and actively. He knows every minute detail about your life down to your very thoughts. That's what this psalm teaches us. God is not uninterested in you. He knows you intimately. And this is just the beginning. There's nothing hidden from his sight. He knows all your ways. He knows what you're thinking, whether it's good or it's bad. He knows how you're living, whether it's good or it's bad. Nothing's hidden from him. That's what David is telling us. He begins to talk about God's presence. You hem me in behind and before, right? He's talking about, God, you're, not only do you think about me and you know me, you're with me. Behind me could be you've been with me, you're before me, you're, you're leading me. Wherever I'm going, you're going to be there. And then he just has to stop. 
Such knowledge, he says, in verse 6, is too wonderful for me. It's, hot, it's too high. It's, I can't attain it. He's blown away by what he's thinking and, and writing about God in this, in this poem, in this song. It's just too wonderful for him. The Lord knows all your thoughts and all your ways. How does that make you feel? Is that good news? Sometimes I hear, sometimes that can be petrifying. God knows all your thoughts and ways. And, and you guys, this is, I think David for a moment is fearful. He realizes, maybe, remember he's, in, he's thinking in the past, right? Maybe he's thinking about where you guys were two weeks ago. Psalm 51. Maybe he's looking back and he's thinking of that. We don't know. But not all of David's thoughts and ways were good, were they? And I think in this moment, he honestly realizes this is a scary thing. <laughs> Look where he goes next. Verse 7, he says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? That's not where you would expect this psalm to go. He's talking about trying to get away from God, from this intimate knowledge, this presence around him. And he says, where can I go? And the answer is, if I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths of the earth, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and I dwell in the farthest ends of the sea, as far away as I can go, even there, your hand will lead me and your right hand will hold me. Stanza two, here's the main idea. God pursues you persistently. When I read this the first time, I thought, oh, this is just about God's presence, that he's there wherever you are. That's true. But the word flee is too strong of an image. And David's saying, he's chasing me down. No matter where I try to go, he's there. And he's not just, he doesn't just see me. He's leading me. Look at verse 10. He's holding me, the one who's trying to get away from him. Sometimes I think that we perceive God, especially when we're maybe not living right, we're living in sin, that he's there, bam, to slap us and get us back on the right track. What are you thinking? But this psalm says, oh, no. His hand is there to lead me, to hold me. You guys, he's pursuing you with his love, not with his judgment, with his mercy, compassion. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, Lie you won't tear down. 
coming after me. God pursues you persistently. It's worth pausing here to think about what the New Testament tells us about God. Jesus is God's greatest example of his pursuing love to us, isn't it? We call it the gospel. It's the good news. You guys know it. God loved the world. Let's say it together. John 3, 16, out loud. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God is not pursuing you to slap you and say, shape up. He's pursuing you with his love. He's not condemning. He's saying, come back. It's a hand that's trying to hold you and lead you back to him. Sometimes we may go away from God, maybe not intentionally, we just realize I'm far from God. Sometimes we may flee from God, I just am sick and tired of it, I just want to get away from Him. But sometimes we just may find ourselves in a place of darkness where it feels like God's not there. If you were here a few weeks ago, Psalm 13 is a great example. The psalmist says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me? How long will you turn away from me? Look on me and answer. Oh, God, my Father, bring light to my darkness. And that's where David goes, is into this darkness. And so maybe he got there because he was fleeing, but maybe I just picture him sitting in a cave. We know David hid out in caves from his enemies. Maybe he's in a dark cave. And it, it, it's true of his life in that moment. It's a dark place. Look at what he says in verse 11. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be as night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. God is there in the darkness. There's never darkness to him, even though there's darkness to us. When you enter a season of darkness, it could be a season of depression. It could be a season of anxiety. You might not even understand what's going on. But God's there. He's the light in the midst of the darkness. He's there to lead you and to hold you, to lead you back, to lead you through. Let him lead you. Rest. Be still. Know that he's God. All along in the scriptures, it's Jesus who is the light of the world. And in the beginning, God creates the light from the darkness in Genesis. And when 
the biblical, the, the gospel writers are talking about Jesus entering the world, what are they talking about? Yep, it's the light entering the darkness. Look at Matthew 4. Matthew is quoting Isaiah, and he's saying, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region of the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. And then John, when he's introducing his story of Jesus, how does he start? John 1, verse 4, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. The darkness, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. He is always the light in the darkness, no matter how dark it gets to you. Jesus is the light. He's there. He's with you. Let him lead you in that dark time. In the next paragraph, that's the end of stanza two. So in the third stanza of this song, David's in the darkness, right? And he starts thinking, when did God's knowledge of me begin? When did God start pursuing me with his love? And was it when I started realizing that I believed? No, it was before that. Was it when I was born? That's it. No. Keep going back. Here's where David says God began pursuing him with his love. Verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. My soul knows this full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes in that dark, dark, dark place of the womb, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written all of the days before all of them, every one of them, the days that were formed for me before there was yet none of them. In the NIV it says, all my days were ordained for me before one of them came to be. David says, God began knowing him and pursuing him the moment he was conceived. That's awesome. And in the darkness of that womb, God saw him. And so whatever darkness he's in right now, God still sees him. He's still with him. And I think that's why God, David goes there. So here's the big point of the third stanza. God made you purposefully. God made you purposefully. You're not a mistake. God set his affection and his plan for you the moment you were conceived you're not a mistake. The psalmist erupts with praise again. This is just too much, right? He says, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. If I was to try to number them, they would outnumber all the sand. I awake and I'm still with you. The reason I said that God made us intentionally is because the word David uses for all your thoughts 
That word is not the usual Hebrew word for thoughts. It's only used one time by David in Psalm 139. And the, the meaning of that word is intentional thoughts, purposeful thoughts. God is intentionally thinking about you. And it's not just, hey, I know my, I know my child that I created over there. Um, no, he's thinking about you intentionally so many times that it outnumbers the grains of the sand. He made you intentionally. Now we get to our fourth stanza. This is kind of weird, and, and I didn't get this out of any studies, but I'm wondering about this psalm. Just, you know, what's its context? When did he write it? What's going on? We don't know. But it's a weird saying, saying, I wake up and I'm still with you. And I'm wondering if the first verses, everything David said up to that point, were so comforting to him that he was just so rest in God's love and his purposes and his knowledge of him that he just dozed off. Maybe he slept. And he woke up the next day and he's still with God. But where he goes now in stanza four is unexpected. Do you remember when Dan played it? You know, it's this anger that, that David just spouts. He's angry and he hates his enemies. It's like, where did that come from? There's this sweet psalm and it just, we were going this way and now we're going this way. Here's what I think. I think David believed what he'd just written about God. And the, what he was experiencing at the moment was enemies. You see, he was a king. None of us has the enemies that David had. Enemies on the outside that wanted to destroy him and the nation of Israel. His own son at one point was his own enemy and betrayed him and took the, tried to take the kingdom. And a bunch of his friends went with his son. David had enemies. And so he's going to let God know. And he's going to tell God, these enemies of mine, they're your enemies too. Listen to what he says. He says, oh, this is verse 19. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, oh God. Oh, men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? Do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Blah! <laughs> he gets it all out right there in the psalm, somehow poetically, but he puts it out there, right? And you guys, this is the whole point of the psalm, and it's probably the most, most people don't want this part of the psalm. I didn't. At first, I liked it without that part. But this is the point. David believes that God knows all his thoughts. He, he, he knows all his ways. He knows everything he's thinking. And he's with him in this dark place. And so he just says, okay, God, you know this all, but here's what I'm thinking right now. Do you hold things back from God in prayer? I was in, I'm in a seminary, I just started seminary in January, and my first class that I took um, was class on spiritual formation, and one of my assignments, a number of my assignments, was to pray. 
Now, that's a pretty encouraging thing, that if you sign up for seminary, they teach you how to pray. I was like, okay, this is, this is good. Um, that's why this psalm is so precious to me, because I was encouraged to pray a prayer based on this psalm every morning. And I was being graded on it. So I had to say, yeah, I did it this percentage of the time. And I learned to open my heart to God. And just to say, first thing in the morning, as I was just, I was in and out of sleep, just waking up, maybe my alarm went off and I'm hitting snooze. God, this is what's on my heart today. Sometimes it was great, but sometimes I had failed the night before. And I had to just say, God, I just feel terrible by the way I handled this situation. Sometimes I woke up and my first thoughts were sinful. But I learned to speak them to God and just say, God, you know this already. Honest, this is what I'm thinking about and I'm ashamed. This psalm teaches us to open our hearts to God because we're safe with him. He knows it all and he's not going to slap us for thinking that thought. He's there to lead us. He's there to hold us. And I think David models that for us. But David doesn't just leave it there. And I think for a lot of things, especially sinful things, if all we learn to do is just blah, tell God, and we don't surrender our hearts to God, I don't think we make progress. And so notice what David does. He surrenders his heart to the Lord in verses 23 and 24. So here's our fifth stanza. The end of the psalm is shorter than all the others. He says in verse 23, Search me, O God, know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any wicked way, grievous way in me. He's opening himself up to the Lord and lead me in your everlasting way. David believed Remember how he, searched, how he began the psalm? You have searched me, and you've known me. How does he end? Do it again. Search me in this moment, and know me. I'm anxious. I'm having a hard time with this. Search me and know me. But he doesn't end there. He says, lead me in your ways. Lead me in your everlasting way. I don't want my way, God. Because my way is a way of anger and hatred. And he's opening that up to the Lord, and he's saying, you deal with it. I want to close just by thinking through this psalm in the terms of how could you apply this as a prayer? And part of that's just because I have been doing that for the, the first part of this year, and it's been so helpful to me to pray this way. And so it's a suggestion that you start your day with this prayer. It's not homework. I'm not going to grade you. You're not going to lose points for not doing it every day. Um, God's merciful. But I want to encourage you, maybe you already have a habit of starting your day, giving it to the Lord. Go a step further. Start with, here's the first step of, of, of a good response to God in prayer. Number one, believe in your heart that God is who he says he is. That he's like that. He's that personal, that intentional with you. And believe that you are who he says you are. 
you're precious to him. He's thinking about you purposefully all the time. It's crazy to, to think about, but it's true. And one of the ways that I, I was encouraged to wake up is just by saying, Father, I am fully known. I am fully accepted. I am fully forgiven, and I am fully loved by you. And so it's safe for me to share what I'm about to share. So the first step is believe that, that you're safe with God. Believe God is who he says he is. The second step is open your heart up to the Lord. Just like David did in the, in the fourth stanza. Let it go. Whatever it is. If it's a sinful thought, tell God. If it's a sense of failure, tell God. If you're in the midst of the darkness of depression or anxiety, start your day by saying, this is where I am. It's called the prayer of honesty, isn't it? It's just opening your heart to God. Prayer of honesty. And then the last step is surrender your heart to God. That's our verses 23 and 24. Surrender your heart to God. It might look like this. Oh God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't like this season in my life, what I'm dealing with, but I trust you. Lead me through it. Lead me in your ways. Lead me. Hold me. A prayer of surrender. So I just want to encourage you. In closing, if you're running away from the Lord, you may have your reasons. You're far from Him and you've actually been fleeing. Let him stop you. His hands are right there to hold you, not to slap you. He's there with, with love to hold you and lead you back. Surrender your heart to him in that situation and let him lead you back. If you are in a dark season of life right now, um, let God hold you in it. It's great to pray that God would get you out of it, and he will, but don't miss the precious opportunity to trust him and to rely on him and to grow closer to him. And lastly, perhaps you've begun to open your heart to the Lord, but you've never surrendered. You've never believed, right? Just like John 3.16, belief is the foundation of our faith. And I want to encourage you, if, if that takes opening your heart to the Lord, but believing is a surrendering. It's making him the Lord of your life. We use uh, an easy way to remember that by using the ABCs here at Trinity. A means to admit that you are a sinner. God, some of those, not, some of those thoughts and ways, they're off base, and I know they're not pleasing to you. I know they're not right. Admit that you're a sinner. Then B is believe in your hearts that in Jesus, that Jesus is who he said he is. He is a God of compassion and love, that he gave his life, his son gave his life on this cross for you. And he rose from the dead so you could have eternal life. And C is choose to follow him. Isn't that kind of the prayer of surrender? the daily prayer saying, God, I'm going to follow you. Lead me in your ways. 
your everlasting ways. In conclusion, you don't need to clean up or to be good in order to come to God. You can say exactly what you're thinking, what you're feeling. He's safe. He's pursuing you. Surrender to him. Open your heart up to him and experience a growing, intimate relationship with him. God is the first place you should bring your anxious thoughts. Here's our what next this morning. Since God knows you intimately and he pursues you persistently, open up your heart to him completely.